We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Rotoviz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show Holiday Edition. Dave and I broke out the uh, Christmas swag for the live stream this week. We we have uh, a bunch of family stuff going on on Thursday. And so we thought, you know, people might appreciate actually having a day uh, to listen to some of the content um, and hear some of the GLSP projections instead of cramming in tomorrow night like we've typically done uh, during the week. So we realized the live stream might not be as crowded uh, tonight, but we're still going to cover a lot of ground, um, cover a lot of player projections. And we've got a lot of different scenarios from our own squads that I think will hit on some really key players that probably lots of our listeners have exposure to as well. Dave, I need just a little bit more of your sweater. Do we have like a, is it, do we have a moose head? What do we got there? Okay. We, we've got a yeah, Christmas I think, I think scene. it's a moose. I, I mean, I don't know exactly yeah. what it is. I, I enjoy a sweater like on. this. It's comfortable. I think we got some mountains, some trees. Yeah, I love and a it. Moose. I love it, man. Some festive I, uh, uh, bannering above it. I love it. I was joking before the show that I had to, uh, I had to order a special fit Santa hat because <laughs> my head is enormous. And this Santa hat is actually so big. I, I mean, it's like Yao Ming size. I had to, I had to fold the white Santa fur like border under on itself. Um, like you do with like a four-year-old's pants when they won't stay up um, <laughs> in, order, in order to have it from falling over my eyes. So I, right. I definitely um, bought the right size there. Um, yeah. So Dave, I mean, we were super pumped when we recorded the show yesterday going into this weekend and that definitely has not changed. I mean, this is going to be such a fun week. You know, obviously for all the, the best ball teams, it's just kind of, you know, crossing your fingers and hoping and wishing and praying that you get some teams through to, to each round. And, you know, then you've got, you know, your set, your lineup, uh, roster management uh, playoffs. And so whether it's a home league, whether you've got a little bit of money on it or whether it's a high stakes uh, big time tournament like FFPC or uh, others like it, I mean, we're going to have you covered here tonight. So we've got a bunch of scenarios that we've selected from some of our teams, but we want to hit some listener scenarios too. So if you're uh, following along here in the live stream, make sure you drop your start sit conundrum into the comment section and we will get to it. Uh, see Bradley and David already putting some stuff in there. So we'll get to you guys here in a few minutes after we hit a couple key scenarios that we've got. So the first one, Dave, let's go to the GLSP man and, Actually, I want to. I can't go to that one first. Let's start with an easier one at quarterback. Just a one for one, Josh Allen or Brock Purdy. We've got this is a situation on our co-owned uh, main event team where, I mean, this is a, this is a first world problem. I mean, this is a luxury, but now it's just like, man, we don't want to choose wrong. We do not want to choose wrong here at this position. So, what's the GLSP saying? And I'm going to pull up. Uh, some things in the NFL statics for to uh, either support or rebut your argument here. Sure. And this definitely is, is a nice decision to be making here. However, 
you have Josh Allen against the Cowboys and Brock Purdy against the Cardinals. And the GLSP this week paints a very, very rosy picture for Josh Allen against the Cowboys. The main driver of that, Curtis, is we see 40% of his matches going over 25 points. Just 10 in that bucket for Purdy. And a very minimal amount of Allen's matches falling in the lower end buckets, just 16% actually going under 10. One Mm. of the main drivers of this is if you look at Josh Allen's comps against defenses like Dallas's, you'll see that uh, 2.1 passing touchdowns was the average and also 30% of his matches scored rushing touchdowns with 30 yards to boot. This is one of the better projections uh, that you're going to have on the week. It actually puts him incoming in at third and makes it pretty clear for me here that it's going to align with what I would have wanted to do, which would have been to start Josh Allen. That said, though, for Brock Purdy this week, in comparison to other quarterbacks, he actually falls out of the top 15. So if you're listening, he comes in at 16, like I said, with an average of 17.4. Things that you could point to in his favor does have 32% of his matches in the 15 to 20 bucket also has 26% in the 20 to 25 bucket. So it's not like this is a terrible week for Purdy. Uh, Just, you know, looks like a week that sets up very favorably for Allen. Yeah. um, I'm kind of seeing some of the same stuff in the NFL stat explorer here. I mean, just looking at the game environments um, and situations, I mean, this Dallas Buffalo game, has a total over 50 points at this point. I'm sure that'll continue to uh, move a little bit. In the past five weeks, they've faced Tommy DeVito, Bryce Young, Sam Howell, Geno Smith, and Jalen Hurts. The Cowboys is, uh, that is. And the the two quarterbacks that uh, really stood out uh, in those matchups were Sam Howell and Geno Smith. Both of them in back-to-back weeks, they both went over 40 passing attempts, uh, over 300 passing yards. And both had over 20 PPR. Geno Smith really hit the nuts. That was a really fun game um, that went deep into the, the fourth quarter, just back and forth. 33.33 PPR for Geno Smith in that one. And when I think about Josh Allen and where the Bills are, you know, the, the Seahawks haven't had the strongest running game in this back half of the season, but their their offense is still getting some things done. I'm not so sure that it's that much different than than Buffalo's. Um, you know, with Washington, that's just a team that hasn't been able to really keep up uh, with a lot of squads. And, you know, I, I think that this will be a close game and maybe we could get a repeat of that Seahawks-Cowboys um, game environment. That being said, Cowboys were pretty tough on Jalen Hurts last week. He didn't have any passing touchdowns and was held under uh, 200 uh, passing yards. Yeah, he did have 30 rushing yards on the ground. And we saw Tommy DeVito get 41 rushing yards on the ground in his matchup against Cowboys five weeks ago. So, uh, you know, the quarterbacks that are mobile have, haven't been, uh, you know, prevented from getting the production that way. I think that da- some of the danger with the, the Niners-Cardinals uh, game, you know, it's a division game. Sometimes those situations can get weird, even though the Cowboys are heavy or the uh, 49ers are heavy favorites against the Cardinals. It's a, it's a game with a slightly lower point total. And they're like two touchdown favorites. You know, there's really a chance that, you know, maybe Purdy gets a couple touchdowns early and then they kind of just ice that thing away. I'm not so sure that the Cardinals can keep up uh, with the Niners to keep uh, Purdy having to to pass the entire game. So I, I'm with the GLSP here. I understand what it's, what it's seeing and what it's saying. And I think that we're going to start Josh Allen there. That being said, I mean, it's not going to surprise me if we take one, you know, a punch in the gut and Purdy outscores him. So uh, let's move on to a different one here. This one's a little tougher. Same squad, Dave. It's our, our FFPC main event squad. And we've got to choose one of these players for our flex. So we had Ezekiel Elliott, who absolutely blew up last week. Corlin Sutton and Deontay Johnson, who have been uh, interesting in spots here. And then Trey McBride, who's just absolutely beasted over the past month. I mean, of these four players, he's been probably the most consistent uh, consistently impressive uh, over the past month. And again, we're talking about an FFPC tight end premium format, but you know what Zeke did last week, if that, you know, if he gets that type of opportunity again, I mean, it's not so cut and dry here. And, you know, maybe the, the, you know, the high variance play would be, you know, playing one of these wide receivers even. So I'm curious, I'm really curious what the GLSP 
would say here, I'm hoping it can help us narrow it down so that we can uh, make our final decision with the static score. Yeah. So one of the things that we're going to have to layer onto this is the fact that the GLSP has some factors it's not controlling for this week that surround Ezekiel Elliott. Now, Kansas City has been a good defense this year. And one of the things that you're going to see when you go into his GLSP is there's a ton of downside for players like Zeke against teams like the Chiefs. In fact, Curtis, 53% of his matches fell between 5 to 10 PPR and actually 22% failed to get to 5. So we're seeing oh, 75% of his matches failing to get past 10 points. Now we know that there are some extenuating circumstances there. But if you bounce that off of a guy like Cortland Sutton this week, who has a fairly flat distribution and does sneak 16% of his matches into that beyond 25 bucket against the Lions, a defense that looks like it's going to set up to allow Sutton to have some opportunity here in this game. It looks like we'd want to favor Sutton on that. He actually uh, also gets uh, 27% in his 15 to 20 bucket. That's his largest uh, amount in any of the buckets here. Uh, so we do like Cortland Sutton to some degree there. So I think that we're going to table Zeke here for a minute. I am going to now compare quickly here, Cortland Sutton and Deontay Johnson. Now Deontay Johnson remains a guy that if you're on a team that's competing with some of the turnover at quarterback now, what we're seeing from the Steelers coming out last week, not looking great at all against New England, you might be on the fence with. Well, Deontay Johnson, his GLSP against the Colts, not very fantastic this week. 47% of his matches going between 5 and 10 points. Uh, he's an average PPR of just 9.3 versus Sutton's 15.5. Um, if I were choosing between them, just subjectively in my mind, removing this, I would have been leaning towards Sutton, not Johnson. So I think at this point, it's looking like the final layer here is to compare Sutton with McBride. Now, McBride has been super exciting. We've had success when we've trotted him out there, Curtis. His average GLSP this week puts him at 12.6. I will say if you look at that bucket over 25, there's a delta of 10% in the favor of Sutton. Still, though, this is a pretty good overall range of outcomes yeah. here for Trey McBride. His largest bucket falls between 10 to 15 with 33% of his matches in there get 16 in the 15 to 20 bucket and 8% in the 20 to 25 bucket. So we do have the GSP landing in the favor of sudden here, but I do think that we could have a conversation about this, especially when we layer in the fact that this is a league where there's tight end premium scoring, yeah. uh, which we, brings we, these closer. Yeah. Can we zero in on McBride's actual just personal yes. projection and then adjust for tight end premium? I want to take a look at that. And then I want to um, I want to add some context to what the GLSP can't see with Zeke and then sure. we'll make our decision. Yeah. So with McBride against the 49ers, given what his comps in the tool did, he should see around eight targets, around five and a half reception, 63 yards, 20 percent of his matches found the end zone. So, OK, so we can add about, you know, two point seven points to his yeah. projection. Yep. Uh, okay. And what was his average PPR projection? So his average PPR was 12.6. So, you know, maybe we're getting him right in line. I would say somewhere around 15 yeah. or so yeah. in line with Cortland Sutton. Okay. So, so if we talk, uh, if, if we think about game environments there, we just talked about the, the Niners and the Cardinals. Now the Niners have been really stingy, uh, to opposing tight ends from a fantasy perspective. Um, of late, but the Cardinals are going to be trailing in that game. Mm -hmm. And the, I mean, McBride's the best chance of catch up. And then the other thing is, you know, they really haven't played a murderer's row of tight ends lately. You know, they got, uh, you know, they got Noah Fant, they got Kate Otten. I guess a couple weeks ago they got Evan Ingram, but it was a week where Ingram only went four receptions for 12 yards. <laughs> but I guess that should be part of the, you know, argument maybe against McBride is just that the Niners haven't really allowed those big games there. Now I want to circle back to Ezekiel Elliott before we just get really nice and happy with our decision to start Cortland Sutton here because the GLSP doesn't know that Ramondre Stevenson's probably not going to play again. He right. wasn't at practice again today. Now we're gonna to have to monitor that. If he plays, I think this becomes clearer, but if he doesn't, you know, we've got a situation where the Kansas city chiefs are not playing super well 
and they're on the road at New England in another game where New England's going to be a heavy underdog, you know, just like last week. And um, they've got a 14-point team total again, I think is about what they had last week. Uh, but, you know, the Chiefs have been allowing some nice production to running backs, you know, really in multiple ways over the past five weeks. Um, we saw uh, them surrender 245 PPR to the Miami Dolphins backfield back in week nine before their bye. Raheem Mostert led the way with 85 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Uh, in week 11, they this was kind of DeAndre Swiss, I guess, last pretty nice game. He had 76 and a touch on the ground and three receptions and 31 yards uh, through the air. Josh Jacobs a couple weeks ago, 110 yards on the ground with a touchdown, four receptions for 15 yards. Even A.J. Dillon, he's been largely disappointing this year, had 73 rushing yards against the Chiefs two weeks ago. And then, of course, last week in that game with Buffalo, James Cook, 58 yards, five receptions for 83 yards and a touchdown. And, of course, we saw Zeke post seven receptions last week. So, you know, kind of summing this up, the Chiefs have allowed the 10th most PPR to the opposing running back position over the past five weeks. And they uh, actually allowed the second most fantasy points over expectation of any defense to opposing running back. So I think for sure, if Ramondre sits, I'm actually leaning towards Zeke because of how much we saw Zappi uh, focus on him in the checkdown game. If Ramondre plays, I think this becomes more of a coin flip. And I, I, I kind of like what you were showing me with Sutton here. Um, maybe respond to that Zeke stuff there. And I'm going to pull up Sutton in the NFL stat explorer real quick, just to cross check the GLSP's work. Sure. I think uh, that, yeah, the, the breakdown that you gave, um, for running backs facing the chiefs there is pretty compelling. I think it also, um, works well if we don't see Stevenson in there, because I do think, you yeah. know, as you mentioned, there's some reasons that you could feel somewhat excited about Zeke, you know, maybe not doing what he did last week, but having another game that could approximate what we might see from those other options with perhaps a little bit more upside. The other thing that's interesting about it too, is it would give some differentiation to our lineup, um, which certainly would be welcomed in a tournament like the one that we are in. If, Stevenson does play though. I think that I want to go the way of Cortland Sutton. I like his chances yeah. of finding the end zone. I think that it's a favorable matchup for him with Detroit or at least one that yep. shouldn't slow him down too much. So it feels weird, but currently I would say that we tentatively have Zeke penciled in. Yeah. Um, this Broncos lions game um, has a lot of intrigue. You know, it's two teams that are um, really scratching and clawing even deep into the season here. Uh, it's a game with a nearly 48-point total. And as bad as the Chiefs have been against opposing running backs, the, the Lions have been equally bad against opposing wide receivers over the past five weeks. Uh, third most fantasy points allowed uh, in PPR formats. Second, again, just, just like we said with the Chiefs, second uh, most fantasy points over expectation allowed running backs. The Lions have the second most uh, fantasy points over expectation allowed to wide receivers over the past five weeks in some absolutely monstrous games. Keenan Allen had 40.5 points against this squad yep. uh, a handful of weeks ago. DJ Moore, Christian Watson, and well, DJ Moore twice actually went over 20 PPR in the past five weeks against this squad. And even Christian Watson got to 20.4 uh, against them. And to your point with the, the touchdown upside for Sutton, uh, the Lions have allowed, geez, eight receiving touchdowns to opposing wide receivers in the past five weeks. So I think there's a lot... You know, a lot of smoke. There's probably some fire behind that. Um, sure. Anything else on this scenario before we take some uh, listener questions? Just final comment of a cool stat. Um, the Lions are allowing wide receivers to score 121% of their personal points per game. So that's mm. pretty tasty there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Uh, We have... David was in here first. Uh, David always bringing some interesting scenarios for us on the show. We got George Pickens versus Terry McLaurin. It's an interesting um, one. Yeah, I like that one first. Ooh, <laughs> and this this quarterback one. I'm hoping this is a super flex league because if it's not, whew, David, I'm not sure it'll matter. If, <laughs> if, if we're really talking about Drew Locke versus Zach Wilson, um, if no Geno. Um, so let, let's focus on that wide receiver position um, first, and then we'll hit the quarterback quickly. Yep. So this one in the GLSP, we see a slight lean towards McLaurin. Um, commanders are facing the Rams this week. You have Pickens and the Steelers facing the Colts. Uh, at the top end, you'll see a big difference. Um, in that there are a couple of matches, albeit not many for McLaurin going, uh, beyond the 15% mark, but where you see a large differentiation is there's 33% of Pickens matches failing to get to five points, just 10 for McLaurin. Alternatively, uh, 33% of McLaurin's matches going between 10 to 15, just 15% in that bucket for Pickens. You can see, if you look at this visually, there is two buckets that stand out. The ones I just mentioned, clearly putting this in the favor of McLaurin. Now, if I'm thinking about this game subjectively too, outside of what I am seeing from the GLSP, I think that I would have been more inclined to go with McLaurin. Um, I think this year you've seen more that you can point to out of the commanders and Sam Howell and McLaurin to make you feel better about trotting him out there in this very important week than what you've seen with Pickens. And especially in recent weeks, uh, there's been a lot of reasons to be concerned about Pickens. So I think this one's fairly easy for me and I would, I would go with Perry. Yeah, uh, me too here. Now, George Pickens has been openly criticized by his coaching staff uh, in the news this week. So, you know, maybe if he's really got that dog in him, um, we'll see him uh, step, you know, step forward in a big, a really big, important matchup for the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers at the Colts, I mean, that's, there's a lot of playoff implications uh, in that matchup. But, you know, I I just don't like the Steelers situation um, going on the road, playing against this hot uh, Colts team and pretty stingy, a pair of stingy defenses here. Uh, whereas this Commanders Rams game could really be wide open. I think this has an opportunity to be one of the higher scoring games of the week. And opposing wide receivers have really had no trouble against the Rams. And we know the Rams can put up points too. That offense is humming. So just like this game environment a whole lot more uh, and as well as the matchup. So I think we can pretty easily agree on Terry McLaurin there for David. And he did say for the quarterback situation, it, this is, he's talking super flex. So okay. I mean, I would argue maybe he even has a position player that would be a better option than some of these quarterbacks that that he's mentioning here. But um, in the interest of time, I'm not going to ask him to go put additional options up. So it was Drew Locke. If no Geno Smith, would we want Drew Locke or Zach Wilson? Um, So we're not going to type Drew Locke in there. I think, you know, I I would almost rather look at Geno Smith's. Well, I got him uh, in there this week. I got him Wait, in, and it's actually fairly wow. flat. Oh, hold on, hold on here. Gift of respect for Dave, <laughs> getting Drew Locke into the GLSP just in case. Appreciate yes, it. yes, That's huge. I appreciate yeah. that, Curtis. And it's actually fairly similar this week. Off the top of my head, I was going to say that I think I would potentially go with Wilson here, uh, just because I do think that there's more of the potential that you pick up some extra points with the legs. Uh, in comparison to Drew Locke, uh, we did look at Geno Smith, though, who we we also have loaded. We would see things favoring Geno Smith, you know, pretty tellingly here. An average of 18.2 for Geno Smith versus the 11.9 for Zach Wilson. I guess the thing that I'll throw back to you to help us make this final decision here, Curtis, is how much or approximately the percentage of production that you might have got out of Geno Smith. What do you think that looks like for Drew Locke? I mean, I think 
you know, okay. So he's, he's definitely less accurate and you're probably more susceptible to some negative point situations from turnovers. I think that's obviously more likely to occur. Um, Locke's probably more likely to give us, you know, I, I think Locke is as mobile or maybe even more of a threat on the ground than Zach Wilson. I'm not sure that there's actually, there's actually, uh, an advantage there. I mean, like in a vacuum, Zach Wilson's more athletic, but we've seen Locke get away for some pretty big scampers in his career. And I mean, this Eagles, this Eagles secondary can't stop anybody. It's a good point. They really, they really can't stop anybody. Um, I, I would roll the, I mean, honestly, I would roll the dice on lock here. You know, they're at home. Philly's coming across the country. I would, if you're stuck there, I'm just going to stick with the same, same helmet there, man. Um, let's go with Drew Locke over Zach Wilson in that spot. Okay. We're moving on to Bradley now. Dave and Curtis, you guys are legends. Thank you. Obviously that's going to get your comment yeah, on the screen here. Absolutely. Uh, here's one for you. Drake London, JSN or Ty Chandler, half PPR, choose one. This assumes Madison is out. Uh, I mean, you know, that's fine. I mean, Drake London's been really playing pretty well. Um, he's been, he's been pretty productive here lately. So I'm curious to see what the GLSP has. I'm okay. So I'm automatically going to London with my gut, but I do need to, um, research this a little bit more context that we need to add here. You got London against Carolina. I have not looked into this matchup this week, but I don't believe it really works out super well for London. I know that Carolina has also been pretty good against wide receivers in some of the metrics that I look at. Alternatively, you got JSN against a Philly team who has been notorious this year for just bleeding fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. Uh, as a result of that, you see a lot more, albeit they do not have a whole lot of upside either of these guys, but you see more matches in the high end for JSN. And the final piece I'll leave you with here too, is if you look at uh, Philadelphia, wide receivers are putting up 122% of points per game. Uh, whereas if you look at Carolina, opposing wide receivers are down closer to their average. Now, I do get the lean here. Some of the piece too might be looking at the fact that you have Gino out of it, but I think, you know, it's not like Desmond Ritter is the greatest quarterback either. Um, (laughs) So uh, the final thing though, Curtis, that really breaks this down is if you go into the passing game matchup Raider, my suspicion was correct here. What you see is JSN has an 85. That is the highest of the week. One of the highest that we've seen, maybe the back half of the season, largely because Philadelphia can't cover receivers and they can't cover the slot. They really can't cover anybody. So I would lean JSN here. I'd also go JSN over Chandler. Yeah. Look, looking at uh, their individual um, game logs and some of the the tools on the NFL stat explorer as well. I mean, London and JSN have actually been pretty close in terms of targets um, over the past, you know, four to five weeks here. Uh, the the difference obviously is that you know London's just commanding an overall larger you know share of the pie for his yeah. team, yeah. but given the things that you uh, reinforced uh, in this game between Seattle and and the Eagles, even a slightly smaller piece of the pie for the Seahawks might be uh, considerably more valuable than what London could do against Carolina. I mean, back in Week One, London just had one target um, and basically no production. Uh, against right. Carolina. I mean, that's, that's eons ago. And he did, he is coming over 170 plus receiving yards last week. So he is hot. Uh, but actually I, I like the call there. Um, I will agree with you and go JSN um, over Chandler and in, in London there in that spot. We're going for the ceiling here. Um, okay. Mike, another JSN uh, Mike Gonzalez, loving the Christmas spirit guys. If no Tyreek, do we like JSN? Uh, oh, or Curtis Samuel. Here's the rest of it. All so right. we already said we like JSN. Let's talk about Samuel. We we do like that game as well. Uh, we were already talking about McLaurin, yep. but let's focus so on, on Curtis Samuel. We actually get a pretty unfavorable look here in the GLSP. Only 4% of his matches getting beyond 15. Uh, I don't think I would have expected it to be this bad for Curtis Samuel. So I do want to go into the passing game matchup Raider add a little more context here and you can see it's a decent matchup for him at a 56. That's around average for a wide receiver. 
Um, if you look at the points allowed versus expectation, uh, which is where we just compare uh, the points per game that um, or the percentage of points per game wide receivers are scoring against that defense, you'll see just 95% making the Rams one of the more competitive teams. Um, I think that you go JSN here. Although I will say it might be a little bit closer, at least in my mind, than you're seeing if you just look at the GLSP. Um, but I don't think I could go against what we're seeing when you look at that and you look at how favorable this matchup is for JSN. Yeah, I think it's a it's this is this one's more of a coin flip. We're not talking about the primary option for either yeah. one of their teams, and they both have favorable matchups. I mean, I'm just kind of looking at some just other indicators here. I mean, they they've both been u- utilized pretty heavily in their offenses over the past two weeks. The difference just being that. Uh, Samuel more overall uh, fantasy production. He had actually had nine receptions for a hundred yards two weeks ago in St- against Dallas. So this would be like the third week in a row that the commanders have had to face a pretty tough matchup in terms of win probability. I mean, they're, they played the Cowboys and the Dolphins the last two weeks and now they go um, on the road out to LA playing a, a Rams team that's really playing as well as they played all season. So you know, I, I honestly don't have a strong lean. I, I tend to just default in this situation to what the GLSP is telling us yep. because they, they both have good matchups. They've both been utilized um, pretty similarly over the past couple of weeks by their teams. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with the tools. That's what, literally why we have them. So let's go with JSN over Samuel here, Mike. All right, Mike's got one more, and then we've got a couple from Francis in the queue. Need an RB2, Ty J Spears or Keaton Mitchell? All right. Um, I'm not sure that I even really need to. Well, I'm not sure how much help the GLSP is going to be here. Uh, yeah. But I will punch in Keaton Mitchell. And I will also punch in uh, who is the other option here? Ty J. Spears. Spears. Oh, boy. What am I doing? Okay. Um, so the GLSP in this matchup gives Mitchell um, an average in half PPR here. Of 9.1 TJ or Ty J Spears just a 4.7. So clearly in favor of Mitchell. I kind of think though, Curtis, if we look at some of the other aspects of what you might have going on in these offenses, I might override it, roll the dice, and try to go with Spears. Some of this might be because I did see the game the other night, saw a couple of looks in, you know, scoring range for Spears. So per, perhaps some of this is the recency bias of that, but uh let's you know, maybe get your take here. Yeah, looking at expected points over the past couple of weeks, I mean, uh, Ty J Spears, 34 expected points um, over the past two weeks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 19 and a half against the Colts two weeks ago, 14 and a half against the Dolphins this past week. I mean, that's RB1 stuff, averaging 17 EP per week. I mean, Keaton Mitchell, I think, has yet to eclipse 10 expected points in any game. Uh, this year, his high, uh, that being, I mean, to be fair, last week was his high water mark at 7.4. Um, and, you know, with him, it's all about the efficiency, right? I mean, he's RB4 and fantasy points over expectation per game. So even without, you know, with the low EP, he's still been getting it done. And he's, you know, second in the NFL in yards per carry. Uh, so, you know, that, that I guess, forgives some sins there. If we're looking at um, these situations, Baltimore is a road favorite. In a, a slightly negative matchup uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars from a fantasy production standpoint at the running back position. When you look at where the success has come against the Jags, it definitely has not really been on the ground. Uh, they've only allowed over 100 team opposing team rushing yards twice in the past five weeks, three rushing touchdowns in the past five weeks, but tons of damage done to the Jags on the ground. That's really where running backs have been uh, making it making it rain there. They, you know, we've seen uh, the fourth most receptions uh, by opposing backfields against the Jags over the past five weeks. I mean, McCaffrey had six receptions, Singletary had six receptions, Joe Mixon had six receptions, Jerome Ford even had five receptions. Mm-hmm. Um, we did see, uh, inter- interestingly, you know, we're talking about a player from the Titans, you know, Derrick Henry. Uh, and Ty J Spears not too uh, successful against the Jags when when they matched up four weeks ago, but I mean I guess all that being said, I mean Keaton Mitchell, what has he really been doing in the receiving game? He hasn't had more than two targets in a game yet. 
So we're really just banking on a really big, you know, run if we play him here. I'm going to go with Ty J Spears. All right. So we're aligned there. All right. As always, Mike, appreciate the question coming in. Absolutely. All right. We got Francis here. Zamir White's, if no Josh Jacobs or Devin Singletary. I, I, I like this one. I mean, Singletary's been super involved. He looks like he's the team RB1 there really now. Um, you know, really dating back, I don't know, arguably to week six. I mean, he's been really heavily involved. They did get away from him just a little bit in uh, weeks 12 and 13, but they were back on him again in week 14. Um, and, you know, he hasn't really disappointed um, he's not giving a ton in the receiving game, save, you know, one uh, matchup uh, a couple weeks ago with the Jags that we just mentioned. But he's got three rushing touchdowns over the past five weeks and um, two games over 100 rushing yards and a third with 65. So, I mean, that's pretty good production from Singletary. And when we're looking at his matchup this week, the Texans are on the road in a really tough matchup um, with the Titans. They're three, two and a half point dogs low game total uh, of 38 points. When we look at the Titans as a matchup, they've allowed the third most expected fantasy points to opposing running backs over the past five weeks. And, you know, a couple of uh, pretty nice games. I mean, Chuba Hubbard had over 20 points. Raheem Mostert had over 20 points. Rashad White over uh, 17 points. They did hold Travis Etienne to 8.9 and Zach Moss to 9.7 there too. So, you know, I think the touchdowns and the receiving work are, are really going to come into play here. We don't see Singletary probably, you know, busting off for, you know, 150 yards or something like that. So we don't really have much to, to go on with Zamir. He hasn't been heavily involved this year. So I'm curious to see what you find in the GLSP on Singletary. Yep. If it doesn't like him, maybe we lean towards Zamir. It likes him. Um, 60% right. of his matches scoring touchdowns against defenses like Tennessee's. Fairly flat distribution, which is good for a player like Singletary in this matchup because that means that he is getting some matches into the higher buckets. 16% between 15 to 20. Even has 18% of his matches going beyond 20, Curtis, uh, which you always like to see. So an average um, PPR of 13.6. It's half PPR. So an average and half PPR, 12.6 for Singletary. I was going to say Singletary before even looking at this. I think that this is confirmation here. Your point about him more so being the RB1 there now, uh, I think is also well taken in this case. So for me, it's actually a pretty easy decision. I turned my camera off instead of coming off mute. Um, (laughs) This is a professional show. Oh, absolutely. Um, So I'm I'm with you there. Let's Let's go Singletary. For sure, for Francis there. Um, okay, we've got one from Srikanth here. Nick Mullins or Desmond oh, Ritter. Six, wow. Six points per per passing touchdown. Yeah, that's an interesting okay. one. I mean, the Falcons uh, are not necessarily in a great situation. We talked about uh, Drake London already. I want to look at this Vikings situation. They've got a road matchup with Cincinnati. And... Cincinnati, I mean, there's at least a floor there that I think that we can talk about. They've played some low-quality quarterbacks that have been in that 15 PPR range. That's in a four-point per passing touchdown situation, so you could adjust that upward here a little bit. Um, C.J. Stroud, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence all shredded the Bengals within the past five weeks, all getting over 25 PPR. Kenny Pickett. Uh, did not throw a touchdown, but did post 278 passing yards. Uh, that that was that first game, I think, after Matt Canada was canned, um, where everyone was kind of excited that the Steelers may, might have taken a step forward. So 278 passing yards just didn't have the passing touchdown there. 14.4 PPR in that matchup. Gardner Minshew last week against the Bengals, uh, 240 passing yards with a passing touchdown adjusted for these scoring settings. That would have been 18.5. Uh, PPR. And when I look at the Bengals in totality here, they're allowing the second highest completion percentage, the second most passing yards per attempt, the second most passing yards, eighth most passing attempts, seventh highest QBR, uh, sixth most PPR per game, sixth most expected points per game, and fifth most fantasy points over expectation per game over the past five weeks to opposing QBs. So this is a pretty rosy situation 
uh, for Nick Mullins. We know he's got a, a relative uh, level of talent around him um, with the Vikings, at least from a passing attack perspective. And we've seen him be pretty productive um, at times when he was getting his uh, opportunities in San Francisco a couple years ago. So, you know, I, I think this actually is a, a pretty fair question. And I mean, at least what I'm seeing from a matchup perspective, I certainly like this matchup a lot better than Ritter's. Let's see what the GLSP has to say, though. So the GLSP is going to kind of complicate things here. And that's because it does have a pretty good look or a pretty good outlook for Desmond Ritter. Average of 19.1. Now, that's not in a six-point passing touchdown league. Um, gets 22% of his matches beyond 25. Actually also has 24 in the 2025 bucket and 20% in the 15 to 20 bucket. This actually makes Curtis... Uh, Desmond Ritter here, a top 10 passer this week. Well, Dobbs won't be playing, but we see him coming in right behind Desmond Ritter. So you see that it was a fairly similar outlook. If you think that with Nick Mellons, you can approximate what Josh Dobbs might have to offer. Uh, we do need to take into account though, that you don't have, um, Justin Jefferson available, I don't believe, for Melons. One of the things that you could put in the bucket of, of, of you know, things that would make you interested in him there. Uh, perhaps that takes away some of that touchdown upside. If we looked at Dobbs, uh, we'd see that his touchdowns come in at around 1.6. So Dobbs would have thrown a, a similar touchdown amount to Melons. Um, both of them... In Dobbs' projection, we have 30% of his matches finding the end zone on the ground. Same thing for Desmond Ritter. So I might throw a little bit of cold water here on Curtis's take and say that I would actually go Desmond Ritter, given what we're seeing in the GLSP, and feeling like we have a better grasp of what we can expect from him. And I don't think it's a situation where you have Nick Mellons coming in and possessing that much upside. To me, the odds that he comes in and lights the world on fire like we might have seen with a couple of other fill-ins this year, I don't think the chances are that great. Calvin Ridley, I like the point about potentially throwing him into the equation here. He does not match up that greatly with the Ravens. I think that in an average game for Ridley versus an average game for Ritter, Ritter probably scores more points here. Um, so I, I'm going to vote Desmond Ritter. Yeah, we're going to be split on this one. I, I just, I mean, Ritter did not uh, perform well back in week one against Carolina, just 10 PPR. And I know we're looking at a much larger sample in the GLSP here. And I, so, I mean, I definitely have to respect that. But over the past five weeks, Carolina has allowed the fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, the fewest expected points, uh, the 25th, um, I guess, most or, or seventh least, however you want to look at that, fantasy points over expectation. And I mean, even Dak Prescott, who's been otherworldly uh, over the past two months, really only got to 18 PPR against this squad when they face other, you know, kind of lower level quarterbacks like Ritter. I mean, Will Levis under 10 PPR, Tyson Bajan under 10 PPR, Baker Mayfield and Derek Carr over the past two weeks each only had 11 PPR uh, against this squad. So um, I, I'm going to go with the recency bias angle and and maybe um, a little bit of an unknown uh, situation here with Nick Mullins in this Vikings offense. Uh, we have seen multiple quarterbacks be able to produce in it this year. So I, I kind of, I feel like we kind of have seen Ritter and he's been, he's been splashy in some spots, but you've never felt good about starting him any single, you know, given week. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Mullins. So you'll have to see which argument you like better. Srikanth. Sorry. We usually, Dave and I can almost always agree. Uh, we're, we're down the middle on this one, but to be fair, this is a pretty crappy pair of quarterbacks you're choosing from. I mean, maybe um, you just roll the dice and hope that Ridley that. has a terrific game. I don't know. But yeah, best of luck on that one. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we've got a couple more questions from Adam. I want to go back to Francis here. A quick little break. Uh, and a oh, I like it. Question. Yep. Which whiskeys is Curtis looking forward to over the holidays? So um, this, is, this is fun for me. Um, we'll have to make sure that we put the adult rating on this show since I'm going to show some stuff on the camera here. Uh, so number one, uh, this is Booker's Booker's is my absolute favorite uh, bourbon. I have uh, a handful uh, of these from different batches and actually Ryan McDowell uh, helped me uh, pick a couple of these up. Um, Ryan lives in Kentucky. 
and I can't get it in Ohio and we've met up a couple times. And so, yeah, he's, nice. he's a great guy, uh, has helped me get some of that bookers. I actually had it, uh, on a business trip where I had uh, free drink tickets, uh, one time. And so I, I just decided to use them. It was a situation where you could, you, you know, put multiple tickets together for a premium, uh, drink and I just use them all on uh, bookers. Nice. <laughs> bar. Um, but the next one, I'm going to go with three here. The next one is I just turned 40, Dave, um, a couple weeks okay, ago. Okay. Yep. And and uh, my best buddy here uh, locally, we've been friends since uh, we were kids, next door neighbors growing up, and then we've still just managed to stay uh, to stay tight, um, even as you know we've gotten older and are raising families. Uh, he got me a bourbon. That, that's kind of uh, hits me in the feels. It's called brother's bond. I've never nice. tried it. Yep. Um, but I, I thought that was cool. Uh, a cool title uh, to get that bourbon from your, from your close pal. And then this is one that I, that I, I, uh, I bought because um, Ron Swanson um, drank it on uh, parks and rec. Uh, for those of you that know Ron Swanson, yep. he was a huge scotch connoisseur on that show and actually, um, Nick Offerman, who played Ron Swanson, is in real life a big time Scotch fan, and he he yep. has done some things where he's done some marketing and advertising for uh, various uh, companies. If you want to burn about forty minutes um, and just have something playing in the background that will crack you up, there's a long YouTube video of Offerman that's still out there that was a, a, a marketing stunt for a scotch company where it's literally 40 some minutes of him not saying anything, sitting in a chair <laughs> with a crackling fire and drinking scotch. So look that up. Yeah. Uh, that, you'll have fun with that. But this is Lagavulin, 16 year Lagavulin. Um, and I, I have been through one bottle of it in my life. That's my second one that I cracked open last year. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm more of a bourbon guy, but I, I like to get out some of the smoky stuff uh, around the holidays. So thanks for that, Francis. I always love talking about whiskey, as you know. Adam Gurgenti, Rashad White versus Bijan Robinson versus Austin Eckler versus Brees Hall versus Travis Etienne. Adam. I don't even know where to start. Uh, he, he needs three. Okay. okay. He, I, I was like, my head was going to explode if we were picking one of those. Okay. So we, so it's need three, eliminate two. Okay. Okay. So let's see what the GLSP says. I am going to... Off the top of my head, you eliminate Eckler. I know you. Last week he did not work out. Um, you and know, now, I was making a case for him, so now he's out. And we're now we're going to Easton Stick. We're going, and then yep. we're, we'd have no uh, Keenan Allen. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. So I, I think we're gonna have to eliminate one other, one other option here for Adam. All right, so Brees Hall not getting a great look here in the GLSP. Rashad White getting a very good look. Uh, so that means I just need to punch in Robinson here. Uh, oof, who also has a really good outlook. So, Curtis, if you're going off of the GLSP, um, I don't think I did ETN yet. It looks, though, like your options here, you're gonna, you'd be sitting um, Eckler... And Brees Hall, unless you wanted to try to make a case for Brees Hall, did come off a very nice game last week. Is Brees Hall? Um, man, I mean, this so, is this so, is so here's stacked. The with, here's the thing with Brees, man. I mean, he's had some pretty big weeks uh, this year. He's got four games over uh, 20 PPR and and two over 25. And I have to go all the way back before week five to find the last time he didn't score. 10 PPR in a week. So the thing with Brees is, you know, he's, he's had a remarkably consistent floor of at least 10 PPR. So I don't think that we're going to have an absolute, mm -hmm. you know, whiff here and they are playing the dog. I mean, the dolphins all of a sudden look pretty vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and you know, they may lean more to the defense. This is a road game for the jets, but I mean, to your point, Brees looked pretty good against uh, the Texans last week, one of his uh, bigger games, second biggest game of the year from a fantasy perspective. If we drafted Brees Hall, we drafted him to be that late season hammer. Zach Wilson looked a lot better in the second half last week. Maybe he can grow uh, off of a little bit of that. It's really hard to sit uh, one of these guys. You know, Rashad White, uh, I mean, he's a he's a fantasy RB1, you know, year to date so far. And I mean, he's he's been even more consistent uh, than Brees Hall. If we have to go all to, to back to week six, 
to find the last time he was even under 13 PPR. So he wins a tiebreaker there. Uh, I want to look at ETN a little closer because I don't think that we would sit uh, Bijan. ETN has been a little bit more up and down. Uh, we do find two games under nine PPR over the last five weeks and no games over 20. And, you know, I know that, you know, a lot of this is, you know, matchup specific and stuff like yeah. that. I'm just looking for, you know, who's hot and who's not. We're trying to find the hot hands and, you know, matchup against Cleveland last week, probably not fair to, to ding uh, uh, ETN for, for not busting out. Can we just look at ETN and Brees head to head? Sure. The two of them, the GLSP. Okay. So uh, ETN and you got Hall. And I think that we're going to end up both coming around to where I thought we might end up. So you do have Travis ETN uh, average here in uh, PPR of 11.7. Does get 10% of his matches beyond 20, 12 in that 15 to 20 bucket, but he's largely concentrated in the 10 to 15 bucket with 37% of his matches. Um, if you look at the GLSP, I mean, it does tell you a pretty decent story for ETN overhaul. That said, though, Curtis, you don't really see a significant portion of ETN's matches, um, if I'm doing my math right here, just uh, 22% going beyond 15 Knowing that and knowing that one thing that this tool might not be able to do is know the upside that it looks like Hall has to just break one or two huge plays a game. I actually think I'd rather go with Brees Hall at this yeah. point than Travis Etienne. So I think we're going to be aligned in sitting Eckler and Etienne trotting out Rashad, Brees and Bijan. Yeah, I mean, it it stinks that you can't start four because we're just we're just so aligned on, um, you know, we're so aligned on Eckler being the odd man out here. But yeah, I I think it's a really tough call. But I am going to lean towards starting Brees. I think, you know, Robert Sala has a, a you know he's he's very prideful and he's going to really still want to stick it to the Dolphins in this AFC East game. And the Titans laid out a perfect blueprint for how you can. Uh, attack that team and and the Titans had the second most expected points of the week um, at the running back position against the Dolphins last week I expect the Jets to use a similar blueprint look for you know heavy dose of, of Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook um, to take some of the pressure off of Zach Wilson and the Dolphins had been a little tough against opposing running backs I mean th they and the Ravens both are you know kind of bottom third uh, in terms of attractiveness for opposing fantasy defenses. But that being said, the Ravens have been stingier. Um, so, you know, in a close matchup, you know, we'll give the edge of, of the, we'll give the edge to, to, to Brees there. Um, Adam has one more. Well, you cue that and, up. I'm just going to share one thing for listeners out there. Um, yeah. GLSP really likes both Pittsburgh backs against the Steelers this week. So uh, know that there's good outlooks for both Harris and Warren. Against against the Colts, we don't Sorry. like them against their own yeah, defense. Yeah, we, we don't. Uh, All right, thank you. <laughs> uh, so Adam needs three wide receivers. So he's got another. Uh, so so he's got five here to this choose from. This is an embarrassment of riches on this team. Adam, oh, is this Lord, team like undefeated? Man. What's what's the deal? Is this what an is... eighteen league, Adam? You're gonna have to like qual you know, qualify. Adam, are you situation. just like drafting teams and like your four teams in this draft like used to happen when I was playing fantasy baseball in like sixth grade? And like you know. and your I team mean, I, are like splitting two of them. And anyways, impressive right. stuff, man. So Garrett Wilson, uh, who had a great game last week, Cooper cup, who is on the rise, looking healthier, Devonte Adams, you know, still commanding a lot of attention, to his offense, even though he's playing with AOC, uh, Stefan Diggs been a little bit cooler of late, but I mean, we said, we like Josh Allen. We like this game against, I mean, this is a big time game. I think Diggs is a big time player. Uh, I'm not, I'm not low on him despite, him being a little bit out of favor lately. And then DK, we talked about this awesome Seahawks matchup. This is going to be really tough to eliminate two of these players, but I'm hoping the GLSP can help us. So first thing I'm doing is I'm just looking at the first page. We see Metcalf very high on here. We already talked about that game for them versus Philly. I think you have to leave DK in there. Um, moving along off of that, um, I think what we'll have to do here is just go and look at first Wilson versus cup GLSP with a slight favor towards Wilson, uh, but definitely does not break the tie there in any type of fashion. If we look at Adams and Diggs, 
That is really close as well. Both of those guys around 11 and a half points. I actually didn't look at the average here when we were looking at Wilson and Cup. I don't think that we're going to be able to use the GLSP here to, to really fully break this here, Curtis. So we might have to just layer in a little bit of what we know. Um, yeah, go, so you got Wilson and Cup around passing. 13. Let's passing go to the passing game matchup rather. Raider. Let's go a different route. Why don't you pull that up? And um, yep. let's see if there's any... any so I mean, you got Cooper Cup I mean, has a 70. Yeah, so Cup all, has all a 70. What's that, Curtis? Right. I said all five of these guys are just so awesome. There's, I mean... Yeah, it's ridiculous. So you're going to want to... So we got DK Metcalf very high uh, this week. You actually have Cooper Cup even ahead of him with a 70 against the Commanders. Very favorable. Yeah. Cup, is, Cup is starting. I mean, we're yeah. Cup's in the lineup here. Commanders fourth most fantasy points allowed over the past five weeks. I mean, they're 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 surrendering forty two point eight PPR to opposing wide receiver committees, uh, and Cup twenty seven point five PPR last week, fifteen point nine against Cleveland the week before, which is actually pretty darn impressive. Cleveland defense not exactly um, you know super uh, flexible or or forgiving. So Cup Cup's in the lineup, and you said D, DK. Uh, DK is looking is in good there, in the yeah. as well. I want to just take a look at his. Uh, oh yeah, he's playing the Eagles. So yeah, I mean, the Eagles are, are the absolute friendliest, even friendlier than the Commanders. We're going to put DK in there as well. Yeah. Um. So I think we've got it. We're, we're going to have to go Wilson uh, versus Devonte versus Diggs. I mean, which is just nuts. But that's I don't what we think do. I don't think I'm leaving Diggs out now. Doesn't have a matchup rater, gives him a harder rating, but all of these guys are good enough that I don't really care when I see a low yeah. rating. Um, I can't point to anything in the tools, et cetera, that really pushes digs ahead of the other players. I just think that the upside that I think that you might have from digs with Buffalo in the game this weekend outmatches what I'm expecting to get from Wilson or Adams. And the major reason for that is I just like the quarterback situation more for Diggs. I trust it better. Uh, as a result of that, I put him ahead of both Adams and Wilson. I think that's a fair point, man. If, if we're going to have to break this tie some way, we already said that we like this Bills Cowboys game to, to be an eruption of fantasy points. You know, it's going to go over 50 points probably. And, you know, hopefully the Bills will be trying to keep up with that electric uh, Cowboys offense. I'm I'm looking in the NFL Stat Explorer matchup analysis tab here, and the Cowboys over the past three weeks, um, you know they faced some pretty good passing offenses, and their defense had been trending a little bit uh, rosier, you know, the month before because of, of the crap teams that they were playing. But now, you know, we see the Commanders, Seahawks, and Eagles over the past three weeks, and in those games, opposing wide receiver uh, committees. Uh, second in EP, fifth in EP, 11th in EP, um, actually boosting the Cowboys to the fourth most expected points against for opposing wide receiver groups. And if I look at the the alphas, the team alphas against the Cowboys, you know, they've still been being heavily targeted. So I know that Cowboys defense is kind of renowned for creating the turnovers and that they have, you know, really walloped some teams here lately, but Adam Thielen still garnered 11 targets, Curtis Samuel, 12 targets, DK Metcalf, eight targets, AJ Brown, 13 targets, Stephon Diggs is going to get his targets. So I, I'm with you, man. Let's sit. I hate it. You know, I hate sitting any of these guys, Adam. But you've uh, he clarified, Dave, that this is a dynasty playoff. So oh, that, that, okay, um, okay. He last place last year, and now now he made the playoffs. Okay. I mean, you're a good spot, man. Uh, this is great. Uh, great job by you here. You know, you don't ever want to sit any players of this caliber, but, you know, it's your fault for building such a powerhouse this year. Um <laughs> Okay, we have two finals, and we're coming up on an hour of the show here. Love all the engagement. We're going to answer two questions for John here because um, I think these are interesting case studies, and then we will be signing off because I've only eaten about 10% of my dinner. I'm starving, Dave. Uh, okay, I, I, yeah. I got I'm getting hangry. John Lutzik, need an RB2 in PPR. So we've got McKinnon or CEH, same backfield, Zach uh, Charbonnet or Chase Brown. I want to say Chase Brown. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, we could go yeah. digging around and looking for stuff here, um, which 
maybe I'll do some quick research here, Curtis. I don't know if you wanted to share any of your thoughts. I'll at least do my de- my due diligence here and, and get them up in the GLSP. Yeah, I mean, the, so it doesn't look great, you know, for any of these players in terms of, you know, just pure usage. Um, we did see Chase Brown with the chunk plays. Uh, if I look at this Chiefs backfield first and we start there, I mean, they're playing the Patriots who have just been an absolute death knell for opposing running backs over the past couple of weeks. And that includes playing, you know, Barkley, uh, Eckler, and then the combination of, of Najee and Jalen Warren uh, last week. I mean, the last three weeks, the, the highest scoring running back for the opposing teams, Saquon Barkley, 6.2 PPR, Austin Eckler, 4.7 PPR, Jalen Warren, 8.7 PPR. I mean, these seem almost impossibly low. Yeah. Uh, there's, it's really just a, a tough matchup and, and adding in the layer that we're not really sure who would get the majority of the work. You're basically just hoping and praying for a touchdown there. Um, so I think we can just eliminate the Chiefs running backs on that tough matchup yep. and focus in on uh, Charbonnet and Chase Brown, who are both um, clearly the, the two uh, in their offenses. But, um, you know, it, it, all it takes is, you know, an injury or, you know, lucky big play, which, you know, each one of them is, is certainly capable of doing on my end before you get to the GLSP. Yep. If I look at the, the Eagles situation, which that's the matchup for the uh, Seattle um, in, in recent weeks, looks like opposing teams averaging 23.4 rushing attempts against about a hundred yards rushing uh, against per game. Um, just two rushing touchdowns allowed in the past five games, about seven targets to, to running backs uh, per game over that stretch. So that may be an opportunity for uh, Charbonnet. So I'm going to zero in and look at his involvement. Um, he does have a, a fair amount of passing game involvement. You know, some of that was from before Kenny Walker came back. But in the past five weeks, five targets, six targets, four targets, two targets, and just a single target with Walker kind of taking back over as the alpha last week against the 49ers. So, you know, if we get into a situation where the Seahawks are trailing um, in this game against the Eagles, then, uh, you know, maybe Charbonnet could could do a little something there. He does have a couple of games over 20 receiving yards and, you know, several with over four receptions. So that's kind of nice. Uh, You can kind of talk yourself into that a little bit. Those games where he was being utilized in uh, receiving game were games where, the Seahawks, you know, were trying to keep up with other good teams. I mean, the Rams, uh, six targets there. The 49ers, four targets there uh, here in the past couple weeks. And he did have a, a long chunk play against Dallas, uh, one reception for 39 yards there, and it did manage a touchdown in that game two weeks ago. So Chase Brown, less of a sample size to go on here. Did, did you find anything in the GLSP that could help us make this decision? So the GLSP does like uh, Charbonnet more then Brown, some of that comes because we do have more kind of useful games in the sample based on representative usage that you might expect, but some of that is inflated because of the injury to Walker. Uh, you could say that that might carry through to this game, but I'm not sure that uh, we can really use either of these here, um, you know, in the capacity which we would for many of the other players. As a result of that, I think we have a very difficult decision on our hands here, Curtis. Um this is where I look at which team has the better offense and which player is going to have the higher opportunity to have a touchdown. Um, I can't tell from looking at you right now if you have a lean here or if you're still kind of piecing it together. I honestly don't have too much of a lean, so I hate to do this. I would just go with my gut here, which I, I hate to say which is Chase Brown, but it's it's also not really my gut. It's the fact you and I aggressively were going after Chase Brown, and that's because we <laughs> yeah. thought he yeah. could make an impact, and we're starting to see that come to fruition here. Yeah. Um, you know, with it was exciting with Chase Brown last week because we finally saw him get meaningful involvement. Yeah. But that meaningful involvement basically just equaled what Charbonnet got um, last week as well. They yeah. both had nine carries. And we've seen, we've just seen more from Charbonnet. I mean, he does have a couple games, three games in the past five weeks, over 10 PPR in a fourth at 9.8. Um, yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, the game, it has, there's a higher point total in the game. You we got to go him here. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, it's it's tough, John. So we're going to begrudgingly go with Charbonnet over Chase Brown. Um, but, you know, if you had it, I think it's mostly a coin flip from our perspective. So if you had a reason, you know, maybe you're a Bengals fan or you just really like Chase Brown or you've got your own gut feel that you want to cross check us on. You can go Chase Brown. We wouldn't fault you for that, but we will elim- eliminate both of the Chiefs there. For and actually, you. if you go with Charbonnet, right, they're playing on Monday night. So maybe you're setting yourself up for a really exciting Monday night uh, sweat. All right, Dave, we have more questions coming into the chat. All right, I think uh, so, one of these I can answer quickly, right? It's going to be uh, Javante Warren right versus Moss versus Keaton. That's going to be Javante and Warren. I don't think we need to even yeah. drill in more. I actually already had that typed in. I just hadn't hit enter. Okay. So, yeah, so Matt, we'll go Javante and Warren. Um, and then John wanted a, a defense streamer. Let's just default to the, the GLSP on this yep, one. So you got Raiders, Colts, Viking, Bears, Rams. Oh, Rams, it really likes against the Commanders. Uh, 8.5 average third highest of the week. You actually see 20% of the teams... What? That's absurd. Going between 15 to 20. Um, him, actually, like, know, here's, the sec- here's the second option because, you know, assuming that he has to go right. out on, on waivers and make a bid, let's give him his backup. Right. Backup is looking to me like it is going to be the Bears against Cleveland, which I think subjectively in your mind, it's fairly easy to tell yourself a story on that. Average of 7.2. They come in in the top 10 in the GLSP's projections for DSTs this week. Uh, so hopefully... Either of those think, options are available. There's some sack opportunity there. The Browns took it on the chin again with their offensive line this past week. So uh, even though their offense um, hasn't been turning it over as much with Flacco, <laughs> I mean, I think you're going to be able to get to them in the backfield. So, man, you guys brought the heat. You could tell we've got a lot of listeners playing uh, for, you know, playoff glory here, Dave. Um on an unannounced Wednesday night special show to have uh, this many questions coming in. We love it. You guys are what keep this fun uh, for me and Dave. So, you know, best of luck to you. If you're listening in on the podcast uh, version of this, hopefully we covered enough scenarios to help you out. If we didn't get to your specific scenario, we would of course point you to rotaviz.com. The tools that we use for these tough start sits every week are our game level similarity projections uh, our NFL stat explorer matchup analysis tab. And then for those wide receiver situations, we can use our passing game matchup Raider tool as well. Uh, best of luck to all of you and Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Thank you for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.